0: We are sustaining terrible losses in every branch of the work through the neglect of home training. It was this that impressed upon our minds the needs of schools where religious influence should predominate. If anything can be done to counteract the great evil in the strength of Jesus, we will do it. Here's a couple of more. I'll run through them quickly. Christian Experience and Teachings of Ellen G. White, page 197. The Lord directed our minds to the importance of the educational work. We saw the need of schools, that our children might receive instruction free from the errors of false philosophy, that their training might be in harmony with the principles of the Word of God. Another quote, Child Guidance 307. Wherever there are a few Sabbath keepers, the parents should unite in providing a place for a day school where their children and youth can be instructed. They should employ a Christian teacher who, is, as a consecrated missionary, shall educate the children in such a way as to lead them to become missionaries. Let teachers be employed who will give a thorough education of, in the common branches, the Bible being made the foundation and the life of all study. I want to share with you some of my personal convictions. These are convictions from my heart. Again, I believe the writings of Ellen White are inspired. I have a background in education, and because of that, I was especially interested in to see what she had written. And in my heart, I don't know if I can express it adequately. There's a sense of urgency that I want to see these principles implemented, and I want them to to be the success that I know they can be. Uh, Indeed, we have precious light, precious light. Bible. All these books, just the topic of education. There's so many. I, I, I began with the quote of Earl Sutherland, books that he's written. I don't know. Probably many of you are familiar. Just let me ask with the story of Earl Sutherland and Percy McGinn, God's Beautiful Farm. If you're not, please raise your hand. I if you. Okay. Well, this, this story, God's Beautiful Farm, tells the story of Earl... Ed. S- pardon me? Ed, Ed Sutherland. Uh, excuse me. Yes. Earl Sutherland, or Ed, Edward Sutherland, excuse me. I don't know why I'm calling him Earl. Excuse me. Ed Sutherland. He was an early Adventist educator, president of Battle Creek and of Walla Walla College contemporary of Ellen White. When he started first learning about these principles, he believed in them, so much so that he left his secure position, came down south, Tennessee, and began a school um, that implemented these principles. The story is fascinating. The story is very inspiring. At least for me, it was. Did you know uh, that Eleanor Roosevelt knew knew about the school that Earl Sutherland implemented. Persons from the government visit the school, this true education school. 1939, excuse me, May 1938, here's a reprint, Reader's Digest, talking about the school. Very inspiring, very fascinating. This is no surprise to me. Think, I'm just going to veer just a little bit, but think about this. Think about the health message that we were given. Seventh-day Adventist research shows that Seventh-day Adventists live seven years longer than the average population. Article in National Geographic so we know this precious light that we're giving, given to us as a church works. Now, the question that I ask, I ask myself, I ask you: we have this light. Either we believe it or we do not. And either we're going to do something with it or we're not. So that's the sense of urgency in my convictions. In 2007, an opportunity arose at my church for me to start a school. Well, it wasn't me, actually. It was a group of us. It was a group of us, which ran for about two and a half years. Now, I may get into that a little bit later for just lack of time. I'm just going to tie these two together, which something that convicted me even more When the school closed, there was a time period that I just gave up. I went back to the public school, started working there. And in the fall of 2012, a friend called me. Now this girl, her name is Crystal, she knew about the school and visited it back when it was an operation. I'm talking about the school in Benton. and. Now she graduated from Southern. She's now a teacher in one of our Seventh Day Adventist schools in Florida. Well, back in 2012, she called me and she said, "Carrie, when are you going to reopen the Pattern Life School?" And I was taken by surprise. I, I said, "Crystal, I, I haven't thought about that. I'm not. I don't have plans for that. am not." And it, that ended up in exchange, going back and forth, and. I told her, Crystal, back then, 2007, I had a brand new facility building. I had land, two plots of land for for gardening, one right by the school and another place. I had a bunch of support. Now what do I have? I have my house. I don't really have money to do this, but she kept urging me. And then she finally said we just went back and forth debating and she said well will you do this will you just pray about it and i said okay crystal i will i will and so that week i got on my knees and i seriously prayed and i know i i believe god talked to me i can't go into there's many things i could tell you but i didn't know how it was going to work but i got up from my knees and i just said lord I believe you're telling me to do this. I will. Another question but I had to restful with. Is it legal to start a true education school in my state? Well, I, I knew that it was because of what happened at the school in Benton in 2007. We met with the superintendent of southeast county superintendent of school southeast county he met with us we told him what we were going to do and i'll never forget what he said we were at the lifestyle center where the school is located and he said i grew up i'm one of eleven children i grew up on a farm i know what good experience this is for children i'll help you and so I knew we could do that, and and we did under what's called a category four school. There's a non-public, non-public school approval process in the state of Tennessee. There are seven categories, and back in 2007, we were under category five, which is church-related schools. And there's more to that, but I don't have time to go into that. So I knew that, yes, you can that way. But now, again, I tell you, my situation is different. Now all I have is my house. <laughs> and so I was wondering, can I have a school in my house? And it didn't seem like that was possible. My thinking, state regulations, OK? Each state has different requirements for running a private school. I kind of looked into Georgia. We looked into the state of Oregon and incidentally their requirements are less strict than Tennessee and if I, I have information I don't know where I put my I had it up here but I right back there. Do you need me to get it for you? Okay well if you if anybody's interested I, I have it back there so if, if you're interested there's a website that has a summary of the regulations for each state if you wanna I'll leave that up for for you you can check it out okay next thing I did was I went to the Tennessee Department of Education website and the first area I looked at was the home school laws in the state of Tennessee and the reason I was doing that was because I really didn't want to go through the state didn't think that they would accept something like this and then I was afraid that that would hamper what I was the type of education I was trying to do and when I looked into the homeschool regulations at that time as a non-parent of a student or a legal guardian as an outside person I could not have a school with homeschoolers could not do that. I could tutor them for a portion of time each day if they needed help in a certain subject. I could do that, but I couldn't have a school. No homeschool school. So I thought, oh, okay, can't do that. So then I started looking, well, I know I couldn't do the category four school that I'd done before, because I'm independent, I'm not really church-related, other than I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, so there's something Category 5 schools, non-public schools. I looked into that, I said, oh yes, this may work, thank the Lord. So I started pursuing Category 5 status. Now, Category 5 schools are not accredited, but they must follow regulations established by the state. I could develop my own curriculum, which was what I wanted. (laughs) Now, um, another thing I want to say is, another thing that I was very concerned about was, and hesitant to ask, I communicated with Marsha Tidwell. She is the director of non-public schools in the state of Tennessee. And I told her I wanted to begin a Category 5 school. And then I was afraid to ask the next question, and I hesitated for I don't know how long before I would send the email because I was afraid I would get rejected. But I had to, because that's the only I had. I had to move forward. So I finally sent the dreaded email. I said, "I'd like to begin. I'd like to apply for a category five school." Is it possible to have a school in my home? And the answer came back, yes. Uh, so sometimes you know we we're just're we're just afraid, at least I am, to, to proceed thinking there's no way. but there, there was. So next question I asked, where should I locate the school? And I, I, I want to share this is very important. I told you about 2007, the school in Benton. There was an adequate piece of land that we could use for agricultural purposes. It was beautiful. It really was a very exciting time in my life, and also one of a bitter, bitter experience. But anyway, this is the counsel that we're given. The ideal location for educating young people is in the country with a large parcel of land. We should choose a location for our school, apart from the cities, where the eye will not rest continually upon the dwellings of men, but upon the works of God, Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 320. Let your schools be established away from the cities where agricultural and other industries can be carried on, Manuscript Releases, volume 21, page 320. Well, remember my situation. Where, I, where am I? I'm in College Dale. I'm in a sur- suburb of Collegedale. I just have a regular home. I don't have a lot of land, but that's what I had. God told me, as I told you, I believed to do this. I decided I just need to move forward and, and trusting that somehow in the process of time, land would be located, whether it was we would would try to sell our home, we try to move, and that's another story that's still on the ongoing now as we speak. I want to read this quote. I just felt, just use what you have, use what you have, just trust the Lord. The means in our possession may not seem to be sufficient for the work, but if we will move forward in faith, believing in the all-sufficient power of God, abundant resources will open up before us if the work be of god he himself will provide the means for its accomplishment he will reward honest simple reliance upon him if we go to the source of all strength with our hands of faith outstretched to receive we shall be sustained in our work even under the most forbidding circumstances And shall be enabled to give others the bread of life. That gave me hope. A Desire of Ages, page 371. Next question. Okay, here I am. I'm going to move forward. How do I get students? Uh, I'm going to share in my situation. This is what worked for me. Well, some of you in this room know me and know me well enough that when I'm excited about something, I tell everybody. And that's the the first thing I did. I remember after that week I went to church. And I don't know if our pastor's wife Teresa who was in the audience will remember this. But I said, the Lord has told me to open a school. I don't know if you remember that. But I I I I just said that. And that's what happened. And I I want to interject something here. I said that I was excited about that. I believed it. That was in early October 2012. Well, October went by, November went by, December went by, and I was sitting on my leaves, not intentionally trying to do nothing. It's just that I didn't know what to do. And then I was getting distressed. I was going to the Lord and I was saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. I, I just remember the story. I think it was William Foy that uh, was the message was first given to and he did not um, take it. And then the Lord gave it to Ellen White. And I think, oh, Lord, please don't, please have mercy on me. please." Have... And then things started happening after that my husband and daughter helped us design a website. And I, and I put here, I think this should be the first step because other advertisements will need to direct people to the source of more information. And I do need that, what I had here, the little, I, I have, I want to show you uh, the little poster that we cre- We created another one before this, but then we changed it to, I, I feel was a better one, that we finally used. I don't know that you can see it, but the first one was a brochure for the Pattern Life School in Benton, a really nicely done brochure. The second one is the one for this school that I'm talking about right now. And it shows a picture of a little girl, and she's at the kitchen, and she has a little sponge. She's working. She's working. And it says, Pattern Life Christian School... A preparatory school for this life and the life to come. And then there's a little box that says, Every school teaches reading, writing and arithmetic. True education does more. And then it gives the website so that people can look. So that's one of the early things that we we created the website, then we did the poster. Then providentially, I believe, uh, Pastor Van Zyl is a retired pastor in the area, and occasionally our pastor invites Pastor Van Zyl to speak at our church. And sometimes he comes on his own. He's come on his own. Well, one time when he came on his own, he wasn't speaking, he was in the audience. My husband was speaking. My husband was speaking on the topic of creation, and Pastor Van Zyl approached my husband and he asked, would you come and speak our, f- to our people on Wednesday night? And they set up a date in the future. So as that date came closer, my husband was so busy with the school and he, um, didn't have as much time as he would have liked to have, and so he approached me and he said, I, I just, right now I don't have as much time as I'd like to do the creation, explore that deeply do you have suggestions of something we could do? And I said, well, why don't we do education, true education? So, that's what we did. And that was about the time when this whole business of the school and my home, I was doing that. We didn't go there to to advertise the school in the home. We didn't. And I'll explain that. We went there because we wanted to talk about true education, the history of Seventh-day Adventist church in regards to education. And So, as we were there, we were presenting we were telling the story about Ed Sutherland and Madison and how they were trying to implement these educational principles. And then we said, well, we believe in this too. And so we're, we told them of the little... It was a side note at the end that we were trying to do something. And that, at the end of the discussion that generated people coming to us, which generated in students, uh, Another thing that we did, Southern Adventist University has classified ads. It's an online form for the employees and the students where you can advertise. You can just exchange, you can talk about what you're doing. So we decided just to put, oh, Rob said, well, my wife is doing this little school, and he explained a little bit about that, and that generated students as well. And then my daughter said, why don't we put it on Facebook? Well, I'll just say, my mom's trying to do this little school. So that generates some interest, too. These are just different things that we, that we did to try to get students. This is a little picture of five students. Now, this is not all of them, because I've been doing this for two years in my home. There are another seven and I have to tell you, I don't have a picture. I do have pictures, but I didn't know where to find them. You see, this type of work is so labor-intensive. <laughs> you, you have to work. I mean, it takes a lot of work because you're trying to, The academics is easy because you have pretty much everything, pretty much, that's out there already. But when it comes to implementing the practical skills, the agriculture the homeschools, and I'm going to actually talk about tomorrow. I'm going to talk about the curriculum, what should be in the curriculum. And so I didn't have time to take pictures. I'm on the move, and that is literally the truth. I want to share not all the lessons. Believe me, I've a lot of lessons. I want to share a few of the lessons that I've learned First, you know, this is a lesson. This is solidified in my mind, basically, that the Lord wants us to do this work. He wants us to have schools such as this that have character training as number one, the development of character. When you think about it, well, I, I, I shouldn't... <laughs> I'll talk about it tomorrow. We know... FROM THE BIBLE, HE SAYS WE SHOULD GO OUT TO THE WORLD AND and PREACH THE GOSPEL, AND THEN WE HAVE THE COUNCIL TO ESTABLISH SANITARIUMS IN SCHOOLS, AND THERE'S QUOTES HERE. GOD HAS QUALIFIED HIS PEOPLE TO ENLIGHTEN THE WORLD. HE HAS ENTRUSTED THEM WITH FACULTIES BY WHICH THEY ARE TO EXTEND HIS WORK UNTIL IT SHALL ENCIRCLE THE GLOBE. IN ALL PARTS OF THE EARTH THEY ARE TO ESTABLISH sanitariums, SCHOOLS, PUBLISHING HOUSES, KINDRED FACILITIES FOR THE ACCOMPLISHMENT OF HIS WORK. A Call to Medical Evangelism and Health Education, page 20. Now, if you believe God is calling you, not necessarily for schools, but this is an education conference, so I'm talking about schools, then you can begin with assurance that God will help you. I'm here to testify to you that I know this to be true. I know this to be true. When I could tell a testimony, but I, 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 I won't. But I know that it's true. And when you know that, when you know that God's called you to do something, and adversity comes, and it will, it certainly helps to know that you're in the right place and just trust him. Do not let circumstances stop you. Let circumstances be your helpers. We were at the 2010 General Conference when Ted C. Wilson was elected president. And in that sermon that he gave a Sabbath, he used this quote to the church. It's a beautiful quote. I like it very much. It's found in Patriarchs and Prophets 290. Often the Christian life is beset by dangers and duty seems hard to perform, yet the voice of God speaks clearly, go forward. We should obey this command even though our eyes cannot penetrate the darkness and we feel the cold waves about our feet. The obstacles that hinder our progress will never disappear before a halting, doubting spirit. Those who defer obedience till every shadow of uncertainty disappears and there remains no risk of failure or defeat, we will never obey at all. Unbelief whispers, let us wait till the obstructions are removed and we can see our way clearly. But faith courageously urges in advance, hoping all things, believing all things. Isn't that beautiful? I've, the. <laughs> When the school closed down in Benton, I had two experiences there. It almost closed down once because our practical education teacher decided that she didn't want to do this any longer. And I thought to myself, oh dear, will this hamper the work? And I didn't want it to, of course. And so, but I had the attitude at that time of perseverance, and the Lord sent another person. He sent a person, his name is Dave, I won't say his last name, but he had a degree in agriculture from Andrews, and he volunteered to help me, and I said, thank you, Lord, volunteered, no pay. Oh, incidentally, this kind of work does take self-sacrifice. We lived in College Dale, and we were driving 40 minutes to Benton, no pay. Eventually got mileage, but it didn't matter to me because <laughs> I believed in this. I, I I believed in it, no problem. And and my situation, I I realize is different from yours. I my husband worked at Southern, so he had a paycheck, and and so for those of you that don't have these circumstances, I understand that it's different. But this was my situation, and so I kind of compare when. The practical arts teacher quit. It's sort of like you're in the boxing ring, and you're given a blow, and you're knocked down, and the referee's going, one, two, get up. Now later, when the board decided to close the school completely, it was like I was given a blow, knocked down, and I didn't get up. and um, hard time, and I couldn't, for years, I couldn't even talk about it without just breaking down. It's just till lately that I've gotten better, but do you know what lesson I learned there? I didn't realize this at the time when it closed down. I was never angry with God. I was just like, I don't understand. This is your work. This is what you said to do. Why isn't it working? and you will have probably if you do something like this no matter what it is you have those questions and so i'd look up and i'd say why <laughs> but i knew it wasn't him it had to be something with me but then i couldn't understand that i mean i i i know i don't do everything perfectly by any means as a teacher i i know some of my um, weaknesses but i learned this and i think it's an important lesson what i learned is at that time, I had self-pity. I was thinking of myself and the failure when I should have been thinking about God and His cause. And I didn't realize that until recently. It was a very important lesson. You know, if you get self out of it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All that matters is Him. Lesson, I think, a very important lesson. I don't know if I've completely learned it. I hope so. Another lesson, keep your eyes on Jesus. The last thing, keep your eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, Peter walks securely. But as in self-satisfaction, he glances back toward his companions in the boat. His eyes are turned from the Savior. The wind is boisterous. The waves roll high and they come directly between him and the Master, and he's afraid. For a moment, Christ is hidden from his view, and his faith gives way. He begins to sink. But while the billows talk with death, Peter lifts his eye from the angry waters and fixing them upon Jesus Christ, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus grasps the outstretched hand, saying, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt?" Two lessons. Again, they tie in with what I just said. Hindrances will come. Obstacles will come. Trials. Temptations. Don't let them dishearten you. If you start focusing on all the circumstances, if, if your mind's eye is on all the problems, it'll bring you down. You won't be able to move forward. You have to put your eyes on Christ. Second thing, the successes, and at Benton, there was some sometimes I, where it was just so beautiful and so successful. Do you, do you know that some uh, some students, some education students from Southern, heard about the school and they wanted to come, and they, came and they came and saw and visited. Then they started telling people, and then some educators from the School of Education and Psychology and the School of Visual Art and Design, they called me on the phone. One teacher, she's no longer here, from the School of Education and Psychology, she said, I heard about your school. I want to bring my students. Can we come? This is the school in Benton. And by the way, if I had an educator find out about the school in my home and came too. <laughs> but anyway, so she comes with her. I think it was nineteen students. They came to the school. They came to the well, I call it the farm. And I was so excited. I was so excited. You know why I was so excited? I was so excited because I think, oh Lord, I want I just want to share this good news. I just think in hoping that somehow effect and change would come about. I think bank, but that's okay. <laughs> but, and then um, Dr. Dunn from the School of Visual Art and Design came with his two boys and he, and he saw two. Those are good times. So, back to this. What does it have to do with this? It has to do with this. This is what it has to do. In your successes, you can take your eyes off Jesus. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Well, isn't this not great Babylon that I have built? Always keep um, your eyes on Jesus, and uh, we have a little bit of time. I don't know. If we would like to open up for questions. Okay. Okay, that is a very good question. Yeah, both, both, and that's something that you that you run into. Um, you have when we talked about the philosophy of the school, and I urge you to do this. You know, when you have prospective students and they are interested in this, they'll come to you and they are usually concerned, and this is the question, I don't know why it didn't pop up, I had it here, um, so I'm glad you brought that up, about the academics, they're afraid uh, will my student learn properly and will they get behind because you're trying to do half-time practical and, and this and um, you have to be upfront, you have to tell them what type of education this is. Now going back to you, I, I, my students come from most of them, well maybe half and half, the parent was already homeschooling them. But they wanted this type of education that I had, the practical things, because they were busy. They were um, either working on a book or doing schooling to further their education, that type of thing. And so those students were brought to me because of they believed in it. And then I and then I've had some students from the outside from actually Adventist schools and they were struggling. And so those type of parents, they they were very, very supportive. They were saying, okay, maybe this will work in that situation. So they brought those students to me. And then word of mouth spread, oh, this is pretty good, and then other students came. And then I had those that basically had parents that believed in what I was trying to do. And they would send theirs. But then, by word of mouth, there would be some others that did want that occasional babysitting type thing. Yes. And those, you see, they will come. And a weakness I have is probably a tender heart. And I don't want to turn anybody down. And so I think it's an opportunity just let me have this child, let me work with them. And so I would take it, I would take that, whether it was, you know, just a little part-time or that. But you have to be careful there because the primary purpose is this education. If you start doing this like I was doing at times, then you're hurting, you're hurting yourself. Uh, is that? Yes. Yes, exactly. And I've experienced that. I don't know if, if I'm concerned now because of audio verse. I don't know if they could hear you, and I don't know that I could reiterate that question in its entirety. <laughs> Do you want to help me, or just <laughs> maybe lack of time? I, I but, think, I think yes. you answered it. Okay, okay, but I don't know if they heard the original question. Or no, okay, all, all right, okay. Any other? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. No. Okay. OK, the question is asked, how do I comply with the state regulations and, 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 and follow true education at the same time? At the be- well early in the presentation, I was talking to you about the state of Tennessee in a Category 5 school, where you can design your own curriculum. It's not accredited, but basically what you have to do, um, the teacher has to have a baccalaureate degree. You have to have a fire inspect- ex- inspection for your facility in that case it was my home and yes you can have it in your home and you have to you have to pass that and you have to um, report any students in your school to the local uh, superintendent of schools in your area you have to do things like that but you could you could design your own curriculum you could work in the garden and you could do it for half time yes and so and then another thing is um, there's more to the start of, to go into, now, and is Beatrice is right here, uh, Beatrice is my friend, she actually came and she, Beatrice volunteered her time the first year, she and her two children, they would come to my home and they would do a special day with the children, it was beautiful. She is very artistically talented, skillful uh, with doing things. And so we made moccasins. we well, we went out in nature and did nature walks and did a little nature, uh, journal. nature journal. and I don't know, week after week there was so this was so neat, one thing that we did we had we had just regular uh, tin cans, like you used open up a can of beans and just take out both ends, and then she had us do nails. Um, together two, and you made your own little loom out of the can, and then you get your string and we made scarves, I mean, stuff like that. It was, (laughs) what a blessing. It It was very, very neat, yes. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much, I say, for your sweet Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for the light, the precious light and the counsel that you have given us in the Holy Bible and in the spirit of prophecy. Please, Lord, we want your work to go forward. We want to honor you, and that is our request. Please bless us. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.